Today, we are two engineers marveling at the human eye on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. Mechanical Engineer Southern Satyasilan is back to help me muse about the science and engineering related to biological systems like the eye. I'm Pius Wong, and even though my eyes are pretty bad, they got me this far. Listen to Southern and me chat next. Hey, Pius. Hi, Southern. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Absolutely. Uh, I have a question, actually, which I thought uh, we should talk about. Yeah. I want to talk about the human body. Okay, but not the biology of it, but the engineering of it. Hmm. Uh, the way I see it, I think the most sophisticated instrument, or you can call it a machine, on this planet is the human body. So, obviously, there's a lot of engineering principles that the human body contains. And I was hoping to see uh, what we can come up with, recognize. We're just having a casual conversation about how does engineering apply to the human body. Yeah. Okay. What engineering principles that we can talk about from a human body perspective? You're a biomedical engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. And uh, I know there's chemical engineering that goes on oh, in yeah. there. So uh, let me tell you, yes. Electrical <laughs> circuits that goes on in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. I will tell you, in my opinion, okay. that for every technical subject that an engineer in the more traditional fields takes mm -hmm. there is probably a biological analog mm. so if, what i mean by that is for example classical engineers but and by them i mean like electrical mechanical civil and chemical those mm -hmm. engineer engineers they all have to take a class on basic circuits mm -hmm. you know uh, Ohm's law, vehicles IR, yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that stuff, and mm -hmm. how to connect things and resistors. Well, I would say that there is a biological an uh, application to that class because we have neural circuits mm. and chemical circuits, that kind of thing. And then there's another mechanical engineering class uh, on statics. And you could apply that to studying maybe the skeletal system when we're just sitting at rest, for example, studying how our body stays still so that's my general general opinion for every single engineering class there's some application to the human body what do you want to talk about in particular okay so yeah that that seems to be too broad and so let's try, do you want to just try and narrow it down okay so i have an idea so how about um let's talk about all uh engineering products that we have come up with based on our senses how we apply our senses for example, if we take uh, vision, so we sense light through our eyes. And an equivalent product that we engineered would be a camera. Oh. Right? So do cyborg you want to talk about design. that? Well, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Hey, no, cyborg design is totally the okay. class that I wanted to take back in the day. So why not? That's okay. what robotics is. So let's start with the first uh, one that I cameras. thought of. Yeah, cameras. We're talking about vision. So how does vision work? What's the engineering principle behind it? What's the science, physics behind it? Light stimulates your cells. It, well, if you're talking about biology here, light goes into our eyes. Which is the lens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it hits the retina, which is that special layer of cells in the back of our eyes. Okay, so it's inverted too. It's like an inverted, inverted image. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's like the screen where the image is falling. Right. And uh, you perceive that in your brain. I mm-hmm. think it's like the back of your brain. I don't know what it's called. The occipital part of your brain. Yeah, yeah it's in the back. That's what I I, I remember um, from my classes. It's You perceive it at the back of your brain. Okay, so that principles of light falling on a camera. And um, one thing that we have we, we haven't been able to um, achieve engine in, in engineering is how quickly our our eyes or the lens in our eyes changes its focal length. Mm. Um, like it can adapt to looking far away versus looking up near, close. Yeah. yeah. My eyes don't do that very well. Specifically, my right eye doesn't do it that doesn't, very well. Okay. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I can tell you, my the lens in my right eye is not changing its focal length what? when I'm look- <laughs> like I just took off my glasses and my right eye vision is pretty awful. Okay. And I can tell you that if I put my hand up to my face, like what is that, three inches away, mm. I can see my the palm of my hand clearly three inches away. But now, oh, boom, gone. My lens is no longer changing. What? Okay. Ch- yeah, like I can't see. Okay, so you have a short sight. Is that how you? What is it called? Myopia. Yeah, I don't it know. It changes the, the shape of my eye. Okay. So that I guess the image that goes through my uh, my pupil and through my lens, that image is not actually focused on the back of my eye, just right. It's a little off. Yeah, and my lens okay. isn't compensating for it. Okay, so you can see things that are near without a glass and it's hard for you to have sharper images when things are far away. Mm. Okay, I have the same condition. I don't know, myopia? Myopia, yeah. Okay, I have myopia as well. Nearsightedness. Okay, so let's take the example of somebody with perfect eyesight. (laughs) (laughs) We're not eligible for that. So, in cameras, what we usually do is if we're trying to focus on something, we have to adjust the focus using that knob in the right, camera. Right. It goes click, click, click back in the day. Yeah. yeah. So either if you want to focus on something uh, farther away, you need to use one kind of a lens. If you're using, if you try, if you want to focus something near, you call it macro and use a different lens. Yeah. So there's like so many lenses if you're looking at digital, um, sorry, um, analog photography. Yeah. That- because the lens is like a hard piece of glass or polymer and Mm -hmm. so you can't just instantly change Change the the shape of that lens our eye is different where well in a perfect vision Mm -hmm. eye Mm -hmm. the lens you've got this muscle connected to the lens stretches and pulls the lens into different shapes okay i wonder why haven't we haven't done that with uh with an actual like a camera yeah well, we have a functionally equivalent version of that in mm. our camera phones. Mm. I mean, I put my my camera close up to an object, and you can see the focus change. Like the lens is, yeah. is so changing. I'm saying it takes a long time, right? Compared to our eyesight. Oh, yeah, where le- yeah. like in the perfect, le- the, the person with the perfect vision, they can look 100 meters away and then look right up close to their book, and they instantly, instantly yeah, instantly yeah. changes the focal length. It's getting better, though. I would say the, mm. the phones I've seen, they're focusing pretty fast. Like, okay. But you're right. There's some mathematical algorithms in there that they have to use to optimize the oh, focus. okay. Edge detection and minimizing blurriness and all this stuff. It's really neat. Okay. So I think uh, I have kind of, um, when you were talking about this, I'm understanding why it could be. Because um, for us, we, we spoke about how there's a, there's a muscle pulling and contracting and expanding the lens, which uh, changes the focus. It's a different material. It's not the typical lens we use in a camera. But mm. also, 
we are in control right so we are the feedback loop so one when you see something 100 meters away and you instantly want to want to look down and look at your book your your the control is within you 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 know exactly what you're focusing on interesting but with a camera you need to decide what you're focusing on and even if it's an automatic you, even the computer doesn't know what it needs to focus on so it needs to first capture and understand the image yeah. or what's happening before it can focus on that's something. a good point because when we make future robots because that that apparently is going to happen okay. maybe they have to design the algorithm to not just take in the visual data around them but also have some foreknowledge of what's around them like the person the robot i should say that sees better mm-hmm. is going to be the robot that not only takes in all the visual information around them but takes in some internal information that they already had knowing that there should be a tree over there already or they already know there's going to be a book in front of them because you're right as humans like if i'm holding a book and i'm looking far away i already know i have a book in in my hand so i'm not going to there's no surprise I will say though that if someone surprises me by shoving their hand in my face like there's that moment where like yeah if I don't know what to focus on then maybe interesting you can't okay. focus also uh people can choose to focus and unfocus their vision right really hmm. yeah like there's that whole I don't know if you've seen those magic eye puzzles no. there there's like this weird visual puzzle which used to be big when I was in elementary school where you put your your face close to the image and you pull the image back and you're supposed to see like a special image pop out. Oh yeah, I've done that. It relies yeah, yeah, it relies yeah. on how your eyes focus and everything. But basically, like if I'm looking at a book with my glasses on, clearly, I can choose to unfocus my eyes. I, and I don't know if it's that my eyes are like pointing in a different direction or whatever or if it's the lens just relaxing, the muscle that's pulling my lenses if they're just relaxing. But I mean, I know I can defocus my eyes or unfocus it. Okay, so Anyway, we're we're going off on it. I'm going off on it. No, no, no. That's exactly what we what I wanted to talk. It's all pure engineering, right? This is engineering inspired by biology. Biology, but also I would say that um this uh, the, the human eye is it's one of the most highly engineered that we were able to replicate. But that being said, we do have uh two things, visual aids that we use. It's not camera that actually enhances our vision. and that would be a telescope to see much further than what your normal eyes mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. and a microscope which, which you lets you see much smaller things than what our eyes can exactly so good point like the things that we engineer may not always replicate exactly what we know in our own bodies but they can easily exceed what's possible right. in the human body yeah and maybe that's the irony of it all well it's irony but i would also say that um a big telescope is dumb compared to how sophisticated an island. I'll, I'll give Wait, my explanation. Like, they're getting no, smarter. Gonna, they are getting no, smarter. No, I'm going I'm going to explain what I mean. It's like um, all the scientists in Hawaii who look at the stars are now insulted who listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, yes, I'm yes, I'm going to explain myself before we go. So, let's take Hubble for example. Uh, it's the first one that took the the galaxy field that was like billions of light years away. The Hubble telescope orbiting, orbiting around us right now. Yeah, the okay. orbiting around, around the earth. So but the thing is I wonder if would be if it would be able to recognize if you pop something right in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the equivalent of someone annoying shoving their hand in in the face right. of bubble. Yeah. So the question is what is right. the minimum focal length? Because for yeah. something like that if you want to see that far obviously the focal length is has to be so high. 
Now, for, okay, so okay, maybe this is a very drastic. No, no, example. no. But like, I'm gonna it, go with the other. It goes into the mind of whoever designed it. Like yeah. If they thought that that was gonna ever happen. Okay, so I'm 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 gonna use a different example because I, I should have picked it, the better one, obviously. Just <laughs> no, microscope. It's funny. Yeah. Microscope. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So microscope, it's awesome because it can it can see the tiniest cells that a human eye cannot. But take it away. And if you use it, use it as a as a regular, like, say a glass. You, okay, let's say you're using a microscope um, as a regular sunglasses or you know, as a regular glass. Right. You won't be able to see anything. Right, because you're focusing on the completely Too wrong much. plane. Of, okay. Yeah. In that sense, I think microscope and telescope are dumb compared to a to a human eye because they um, they only act. Well, maybe dumb is not the right word to yeah, use. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, you're right. You're right. It's not dumb exactly, but because dumb implies that it had some kind of choice in how it's behaving, in mm, some ways. Okay. It's just doing. Okay. How about this? It's not the word is not dumb. The word is not that sophisticated. Responsive, sophisticated. Yeah. It's Ro- not as sophisticated as a human eye. Sure, our eye is robust for a yeah, certain range yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. And we're designing our microscopes to be robust as well, and our okay. telescopes. Okay, I take it back. I don't think uh, I don't think <laughs> Hubble telescope is dumb. I don't think <laughs> all the NASA scientists now are fine again. Okay, no, but um, you are right though. Like they're only as, to, for the lack of a better word, they're only as smart as the designers who design them. Like mm-hmm. it, someone could have designed the Hubble telescope or another telescope to be adaptable to. I mean, let's say uh, an asteroid you know, floats by really close. I mean, that could be a legitimate thing that happens. And if the designer never takes that into account or, or if we don't have enough money to take that into account, then yeah, it's going to be a limited device. So one can say that um, if you take a microscope, that is the most optimal design to view things at that range. Right. So that's the interesting thing. There's the idea of designing products to be used in multiple scenarios. For mm-hmm. example, the microscope that can be used to look at things at different magnifications. Mm-hmm. But every time you design something to be used for more use cases, it becomes more complicated, yeah. more expensive. Like the, the microscope that you use to look at multiple magnifications, you have to f- rotate the lens around and it clicks and everything. Whereas you have the really, really simple magnifying glass. One magnification, really simple, really cheap. And I think they both have their value. Right. It's about knowing when you need the robustness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you need to have something that can be used in multiple situations, and when you don't. Okay. I I I I, I can get behind that. I can. I definitely un- agree with what you're saying. So I want I want to touch upon one more thing about vision before we move on to the next sense. Uh, is we spoke about we touched upon robots yeah. and their vision, right? So uh, this is the question I've always had. So especially when it comes to humanoid robots. So we give them eyes, actual eyes that they are, okay, not actual eyes. We give them shape of of an eye, Yeah. right? Now the question is, where exactly is the camera? Is it behind the (laughs) eye? (laughs) Totally. That's a great question. So, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but I I was in humanoid robotics for a while back at UT. So you're the perfect person person to ask this. So the short answer is it totally depends on the robot. Yeah. I mean, robots, we don't have... I I wrote about creating a taxonomy of robots in the future, but we don't have one right now. People make robots looking like whatever. You Mm -hmm. can put an eye on the butt. Nobody will care. Yeah. The thing is that until we have a real taxonomy of robots where we can classify things into different groups. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. So right now, you can put the eyes 
on the face and those eyes could be purely cosmetic mm. or you could put real cameras in there and there mm. are some robots mm. where the eyes are in there and even when we say eyes that doesn't even necessarily mean an optical camera it could mean laser detector right, or infrared right, yeah. or something it's some kind of sensor right where the eyes would be that said there are other robots that just shove eyes on there to make people feel comfortable it, okay because okay, it's yeah, a yeah, psychological yeah. thing to not creep the humans out around right, them right and then there are um robots where you have like an ipad for a face mm. so the eyes are there sometimes okay. as a cartoon eye okay just to not detect anything but to right. do some kind of social interaction okay. as well okay so eyes are so human they are not necessary for a robot not okay. physically because what i'm imagining is like let's say you build a robot that's only operating in a certain environment um the optimal way to do that would be to put a camera let's say if it's a it's a, if it's a square room you put a camera overlooking the entire room and that exactly. could be yeah that exactly. could be like you the wouldn't best. put it on the robot you'd put it on the ceiling or something yeah yeah it doesn't even maybe. have to be yeah. yeah that might be a better way to go about it so that's why i was asking oh you see all these cool robots you know with eyes and face and nose and you know it's like do they really place the camera behind no. the eyes well they might they might they might to the, me it seems like maybe that's not the most optimal place to put it well i'll i'll bring it back here this isn't necessarily having to do with our five human senses but this has to do with our emotional senses. The um, reason why people put yeah, faces yeah. on robots mm-hmm. is is purely for humans to not be creeped out. Yeah. There's no other practical reason to have a cutesy face on our robot. I feel like so, the Terminator movie ruined uh, people's perception of. Yeah. Yeah. But then there came the Judgment Day. There's studies on this. No, so and like, like a coolest thing. I actually really like T2 and all. Yeah, it's a better film of yeah. all of everything they made. Who's that actor? No, 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 not Schwarzenegger. The guy, his, um, the enemy Terminator, the one with the liquid metal. Terminator. Oh yeah, I, I think it's something Patrick. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't, I don't yeah, know all yeah, my actors. Yeah. In any case, yes, he, he robots creepy people out. Movie, that's the most famous movie. I don't remember. On that happy note, Southern and I will close out the episode there. We could have used the internet to find out that the actor in Terminator 2 who we were talking about was Robert Patrick, by the way. You know what else you can do on the internet? You can leave us a rating and review of our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the Public Radio Exchange, or wherever you find this podcast. I appreciate it because it helps others find out all about us. Send us a message on Twitter. You can tweet the show at K12Engineering or tweet Southern or me directly. You can also email us, follow the show on Facebook, SoundCloud, and everywhere else online. Find the details in the show notes or at the show website, k12engineering.net. That's k12engineering.net. More episode transcripts will be on the website shortly, thanks to awesome supporters on Patreon. If you like what you hear and want to help sponsor the show, go to patreon.com slash Pios Labs to donate, or find the links to Patreon from the show website. Our closing music is from the song Yes And by Steve Combs, used under a Creative Commons attribution license. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs in Austin, Texas, where I make software and digital media like this show. Thanks for listening, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you.